0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. My name is Julian, and I'm with my wife, Kim. All right, everybody. I got to confess. She's going to be a little giggly right now, because <laughs> right before we did this snippet, I said, my name is Kim. And so we got to delete, restart. So she's a little giggly over there. Oh, now, so. man.
1: It was so funny. <laughs> All
0: right. So there's a, sometimes there's a lot of uh, spoofs when doing these things. So, But I'm gla- very glad that you guys are joining us again. Uh, it has been very busy around here um here in the lighthouse church here at also the estrada household
1: holiday and season holiday season
0: <laughs> we got uh so let's go back to october so october we do the our annual harvest fest that's on october 31st that's to replace halloween um our basically our role is we just help with the sunday school booth um I don't know, what else did we do sunday school and bus ministry and i think like that's really it. We I don't think we ran any other booths this year, did we?
1: No, we, uh, we. Usually, we're a lot involved in Sunday school, obviously, as you guys probably already know. Um, but there's setup, there's takedown. I don't. I honestly don't think we did too much of setup this year. No. Um, but just... the event itself is just so much fun. But it it is an all night kind of thing um, between the actual event we're also taking our own kids around which is a lot of fun
0: yes you got to make sure they have fun too at the same time because we could get really wrapped up in just our sunday school booth and just be so we have a blast we have a lot of fun teaching we meet a lot of new people but we got to make sure we also had a
1: family day right before
0: oh yeah we had a little family day and that was uh basically just set up for harvest fest and we kind of just served pizzas for everyone um,
1: and then come November, we had all of our anniversary services which yes, was we did. Two, maybe two weeks later, less than two weeks later.
0: Yep. So in
1: That was a lot of prep. The
0: start like of that. November, we did a note-burning service because we had paid off the building. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. We did a pastoral celebration. Uh, it's like past bishops. I'm going to get these dates these wrong. There's <laughs> bishops 25 years at In Lighthouse Church. Uh, pastors five years as pastor pastor book is five years as a pastor uh, also bishop's 70th birthday yes. yes and uh what else i think that was it so bishop's birthday the pastoral celebration and also the note burning service that was all weekend long we had great time in the holy ghost great time and uh just celebration having a great time in fellowship mm-hmm. um and then of course, you no know, shortly after that comes Thanksgiving. Yes. And we just, you know, I unfortunately worked on Thanksgiving Day, but my family got to come down to the firehouse and Which hang was out with really us. nice. It was nice. We did some deep-fried turkey and it was fun. Ran a few calls while they were there. Um what else and then and now we're into December so start of December we, we had have... our
1: in-group party which was so cool mm-hmm. um, sister Leah Thomas she actually has an episode on here her and her husband um, but she put together we have an in-group which is ages 18 to 39 um, that's married and married it's just an age group so Anyone. anybody between those ages falls directly into that group. Um, But she put together a murder mystery dinner for our holiday event this year for that group, which was super, super fun.
0: New. It was our first time ever doing it. It was really cool. Uh, But before the murder mystery dinner, we did have our our Aiden. He had a birthday.
1: Yeah, he turned turned eight. eight.
0: So it's just all kinds of stuff going on. And now we have Christmas coming up. (laughs)
1: Christmas concert we had. Dentist appointments we had.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just between life in church events uh, we have been busy i don't think i've had a single day where we just did nothing i
1: know but it's been so much fun we also had but i do want a, a day Christ- to do
0: nothing <laughs> but it's okay
1: it's a christmas light festival brought on by brother oh, uh, bob yes. lee that was so much fun so, he puts in so much work um he's there probably for a month prior just starting to set up lights um
0: it was our second time doing that So our second annual christmas lights festival. Light
1: festival yeah and
0: it was really cool so basically it's another outreach event it's another community event we invite everyone free things are given away like free hot cocoa candy cane s'mores um there's music there's carolers and they just brother lee's there like like basically living there for a month setting up lights and he sets up booths where people basically sponsor and they do their own booth and they they show up and set up you know whatever lights or they can make it into like a photo booth or just yeah. nice decorations or, or some just people. a
1: really cool light fixture like one of our ladies sister abad actually made this really cool train yeah and it was just on the corner and that's always it it's just a light fixture. like if you go and you drive through holiday lights or you walk the mission in you know it's like just a little bit of uh something festive to do
0: yeah the mission in it's a um in riverside neighboring city around here it has it's a it's a mission and they basically decorate it. <laughs> it's a really big event. Like, thousands of people go there, especially mm-hmm. for the lighting ceremony and all that. And um, people just go and they walk and they look at the pretty lights. Yep. And they enjoy it. And, I, I mean, there's a bunch of things to do like that in Southern California. There's the thoroughbred lights. There's lights in Yukaipa, There's all kinds of tree farms around here and everything. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, Buddy came up with his vision um, a few... Uh, so, last year was the first year. And he... It's been trying to run with it it's gonna make it grow and i believe it's gonna be a great community event yeah absolutely um, it already is going really good but it can get much better another really cool thing we did was last sunday december the 18th we did in sunday school we called it a birthday party for jesus it's really cool we we do it we've done it a few years now in a row But basically we do it's a little bit different we still teach Uh, There's one little mini-object lesson that Sister Delaney taught this year, and it was about basically the greatest gift that you could give, and that's your body. You let God uh, into your heart. You give Him your soul, your spirit, your mind. Um, You surrender yourself to Him, since it's not just about us receiving, but it's also about giving gifts. And the best gift that we could give is ourselves to God. Um, But we also uh, we had a cake, a cake-eating contest. Uh, with like multiple different kids we did uh, pin the star on the manger game Uh, we did a gift wrapping game where basically we get gift wrap we wrap the kids uh, or they wrap each other um, and then they make themselves into presents most creative uh, present wins Um, and then one of the things we did was we did a toy drive this year Yeah,
1: we've actually done it in the past. It's called Adopt an Angel. Um, It's been years,
0: though, for Adopt an Angel.
1: Yeah, another lady at the church started We kind of just restarted it, I guess you can say. Um, But she did start that a few years ago. We um, continued it this year after a few years of not having it. Um, But we actually opened it up to the entire Sunday school. So we got donations. You get to pick an age group. Yeah.
0: yeah, so Adopt an Angel in the past has been where we would kind of just do it for like the bus ministry. Um, and it was, that was basically like the, the group where it was focused. They would get a bunch of toys and then deliver them to the routes. This year, though, I wanted every single kid. And I know our Sunday school, we bring quite a bit of kids. And so we did it from the ages 11 down. Um, just to make it a little bit easier because we we still were like 120 presents that that we still had to get. So, I mean, and it was just to see what we could do. So we did from 11 and down. And so between, uh, we got a bunch of donations from the church through the Adopted Angel. But we also uh, put in an application with Toys for Tots. Um, I don't know if that's a nationwide thing or just a Southern California thing. I'm not too sure, but... Um, it basically is like a donation center. They take donations, and then they you put in an application requesting toys, and they will give you toys.
1: Yeah. And, so it's a nonprofit who yes. every season comes up with all of these toys. I mean, it's thousands and thousands of toys yeah, they, have that a they warehouse come up full. with, and people donate to them, and they kind of disperse to applicants. Um, so we were able to get quite a bit there. Yeah.
0: So big. So six big like black like hefty bags. Like yard bags. Yeah, but the full. really big ones. Six of them, full, and then two boxes. One box. One big box. One big box, I think. Yeah, one big box. But, I mean,
1: you're uh, getting great value toys. You're getting slime kits that are, you know, $30 at the store. You're getting Nerf guns. You're getting, uh, for the older girls this year, we actually got some, like, hair, uh... Uh, hair dryers and and straighteners straighteners which
0: was kind of funny um no i think it's perfect because i know it's ages 9 to 11 some kids really loved it and they really wanted those straighteners and then some kids you know didn't want it they they were older kids but they wanted technically younger kids toys yeah so it was like we we did our best to because we pre-wrapped all the gifts the goal with that is to avoid the oh i want this over that you know it's kind of we just give them a gift and they um we separated by age group and gender and then the kids would come up take it to their seat open it if they didn't like it we just asked them to please kindly uh not tell us because that's not nice (laughs) uh but they were allowed to trade between each other and
1: that's just honestly because of timing if we had more time we could probably spend a little bit more but we have them for an hour that includes all of our festivity festivities for them um, that's every game, you know, small lesson, and then on top of all of the things for the regular class, they're getting yeah. a toy this time, too.
0: So, obviously, that's a big event. It takes a lot of time. But that was
1: a lot of fun.
0: It, yes, it was a ton of fun. And the kids and are just
1: running around. But we still continued, and um, we talk a lot about about Sunday school, so... Every time they're dismissed, bus gets some kind of snack to take home. That's usually just kind of on their ride. Thank you for coming. But they still were able to get that on top of a toy, which was really
0: neat. Yep, they still got their snack home. And then um, for those older youth that rode the bus, because they're going to be on a bus full of majority of kids, uh, our percentage of youth that we bring is probably like like 80% is 11 and younger. And then the rest is like youth. So they're going to be around a lot of kids that just got toys and stuff and we didn't want them to feel left out being on a bus with them. So we bought, or with Bishop's Donation, we were able to buy yeah,
1: that a was bunch really
0: of Little Caesar gift cards. they were yeah. like $10 Little Caesar gift cards, which that's a full meal and like yeah. I would have been happy as a user. Absolutely. Like, free Little Caesars. Yeah. But today's
1: special podcast yes it's really really neat it's an amazing testimony um i'm excited myself to go back and hear it personally i was kind of helping on the back end this time but i was here
0: (laughs) yeah so this time it's just a interview between me and brother joel alvarez he is a man he's i can't i want to say young man but i think we're the same age (laughs) so he's he's a young man as my age (laughs) and he's but He gave his testimony on this podcast and Joel, I mean, I'm not going to cut into his testimony. I want you guys to hear it, but he is a miracle. He truly is. Mm -hmm. I, um, and you guys will hear and see why, but this is, this podcast is going to be a blessing. And I want to just go ahead and say this though. If you know anyone that deals with addiction or if you know anyone, or if you personally with addiction and that could some of us have, you know, secret addictions that no one knows about and you can hide it very well or you just need help with letting something go. Um this is a very encouraging podcast. Mm-hmm. And you can send it to someone if you know someone that needs help and encouragement because Joel and we are going to post some pictures This he is a man of of God. He is a preacher of the gospel. He is someone that he's going to be making his way through ministry and he's going to do a beautiful job absolutely um he has a beautiful family um he has two little kiddos uh sebastian and charlotte charlotte okay the two little a boy and a girl and then he his his mom his brothers they're all great people his sister they're all great um so we His love brother, just family. brother just, His got, engaged. Brother just yes. got engaged. His brother just got engaged. Josh, <laughs> if you're listening, we're proud of you. We're happy mm-hmm. for you. Um, but I do just want to say that you guys will enjoy today's podcast. I'm really glad you guys are joining us today. And welcome to, to the, the Overflow. Overflow. hello everybody welcome to another overflow podcast my name is julian and today i have a very special guest with me his name is joel alvarez so joel go ahead and introduce yourself hi uh, everyone like just like uh, julian said my, my name is uh joel alvarez all right joel well i'm glad to have you on the overflow podcast today yeah thank you yeah. it's good to be here we uh that we have. It's been a while since I've done one. Uh, we. I have been very busy with the holidays, on all that good family stuff going on. I'm sure you know. You know the holiday business also. Absolutely. But you know this is really good. Um, I'm really excited to do this podcast today with you because, you know what, you're you're new in ministry. You're learning the development of just doing the work of God, and also learning the things of God at the same time. You're not new to. You've been around church for a long time, but you uh, just came to God recently. I will talk about your testimony in a while, but God is doing great things in your life, and I I truly do believe that this will get out there and it could touch someone. It could really bless someone and encourage them just to do more. You know. So, what if you don't mind? I know you said your name, but tell them what church you go to. Who's your pastor? Okay, all that.
2: so um, I'm part of the Inland Lighthouse family, but I also um, primarily like my work of services in the Riverside Daughter Works, so my pastor there is uh, Pastor Preston Brown. So I've been at that church um, consistently for about a year now, I think a little under a year, so I think uh, the first time I started going was back in December, probably December 4th or 5th. Of 2021, so yeah, that's
0: that's currently where I'm at right now. Yeah, yeah, but brother, now Pastor Brown has been in Riverside. I think I just asked him this. What, how many years now?
2: I think it's getting to the three year mark now
0: since he started the data work, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: So this is, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is like the third location that we're at. Yep.
0: So yeah, that's yeah, which is really cool because it all started with an outreach in the riverbed right i mean that's where it started some bible studies and got people coming and you know we have some great people that came from the river bend from the homeless you know the homeless community that he was able to reach down there um which is really exciting to Anne, right yeah she, she's sister one Anna, yeah. sister Anne, um she was able you know she's one of the souls that was one and that it's that's what it all starts it all just starts you know where a young couple a young man whatever a young lady gets a desire for a certain people or a certain area and then it, a church develops you know i remember uh, i was just in san Bernardino recently and they had this saying like let's just start with the bible study and see where it goes from there you right, know right. says every dot work you know like yeah. and that's what it all is but it's exciting what's going on in riverside the uh the revival obviously the church growth because they have gone from three different buildings because the first one they couldn't hold no more the second one down there and the third and I uh, believe in great things to where they own their own third building, you know, yeah. fourth building. I definitely believe that. So, but God's doing a great thing, and He's doing a great thing in your life and that's in your family life. As absolutely, um, you know, little funny story. I mean, you're about to get a sister, <laughs> a new sister, <laughs> sister-in-law. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. your brother just got engaged. Yeah. Uh, your brother Josh Alvarez, and that's really cool. So, you know. Great things, absolutely. great things are happening in 2023. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So, what are some of the things you're involved in in Riverside?
2: Uh, currently in Riverside, um, I'm involved. I, I play the guitar, so I help out with the worship music there. Um, guitar player. I play, yeah, I play the guitar. I think I, I started off in the in the playing the bass and then um but i I play the acoustic guitar now but i'll play whatever wherever they need me it's just like i'm just a team player and i just wanted to get involved in in any way possible um so i also i'm one of the group facilitators for the be free program which is like you know like a faith recovery based uh program that we've been running for almost i think we're coming to the end of it's like a full year almost a full year program or about 22
0: weeks oh wow okay yeah Yeah, so you, you and your whole family—all music, musically talented. You, yeah. your brothers. Does Aurelia play music? I sing? don't know. Don't Actually, know. I think she does, or she tried. She tried to
2: play the guitar yeah. or the piano at one point. But yeah. I think singing is kind of a little mm-hmm. more her thing. Yeah, yeah, I've heard her sing before, and sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's she's cool. not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so you know, but you guys are all musically talented. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Josh, I've seen. I, I remember. In, and sorry if. You know, just talk about your brother. He he said uh, he was playing the piano, and Brother Marks came up and talked to him. Like, hey, can you play this song? He was like, no. Like, yeah. this is the song. And he was kind of up there because, like, he needed a piano player. He was, like, playing this one song. But God has blessed his talent and ability, and I just see it like Roger plays, you play. You yeah. guys all do a great job. Um, and then you said Be Free. So be free. Yeah. for those who don't know, uh, Be Free is a... It's a uh, uh, it's like a recovery mm-hmm. uh, from addiction, but Bible based. It's not yeah. just the 12 steps or anything like that. And it was sure. started by Sister Beth Baus, who now goes to the Rock Church in Elk Grove, mm. and him, her, and uh, Bishop Booker worked very closely together on this. And it was it was it wasn't didn't happen overnight. It took a long time. And Sister Baus is also a psychologist. And she put together this um, curriculum that's being taught everywhere throughout mm. the nation. Like yeah. her, the book is on high demand. The class is on high demand. Um, I believe some of it's involved in court systems and everything else. Uh, they teach it in prisons. They teach it in uh, drug recovery uh, places. They teach it in halfway houses. It's everywhere. It's um, yeah. amazing. Absolutely. We have it here at the... At the Rialto location, we have a B-Free class. And you said you're the main facilitator for Riverside. I'm one of three. One of three. So, yeah, we, we alternate
2: uh, between sister Kim uh, Kim Moore and her husband, brother Ricky Moore, and
0: uh, myself and uh, another sister, sister Yvette Rocha. So we, yeah. we alternate every if, week. If anyone else is interested, uh, you can go on my Instagram, The Overflow Podcast. You could uh, write me. And I can get you the material, I can get you linked up in this program if you're looking to start something like this in your church. It's a great outreach program.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 it's, and the good thing about it is just that it's not the typical 12 steps, you know, that let's just say for some people who are in addiction or in recovery, they get kind of get burnt out on hearing the same thing over and over again, which is like the Be Free curriculum. This is just like a fresh new approach you know which is heavily founded on scripture also which is amazing you know because then we can kind of convert that into a bible study or start um having them go into the congregation you know because then they start building up fellowship with everyone inside the the program so but yeah it's just a fresh take on on recovery in general
0: which i really like yeah and that's actually it starts off with the gospel message because and then even though not every single message is exactly ties it in but you you could, as a teacher, tie in the gospel message every single time, and it don't matter what step they or what lesson they come in. You could be ten lessons in, get a new student, and still continue from lesson ten and keep going. Exactly. It's it's a great, great uh, curriculum. The um, best thing about it is that when you do outreach, um, especially like if you're, let's say you're in the Sunday school. You know, I do a lot of Sunday school outreach and reaching kids, bus ministry. I don't just reach for the kids though that is my ticket into most of the families because mm-hmm. you now i'm there making balloons i'm doing whatever but the families aren't the mom and dad are interested too at uncle whoever's there and i'll start telling them about be free yeah and i'll and i'll you know and the way i always say is you may know someone who may need this you know and because i don't want it to seem like hey it looks like you you know need to be free from addiction you know that's a yeah, weird way yeah
2: yeah i've i've had responses where i think i've handed out flyers like oh here's a be free addiction and like they kind of look at me like oh they probably think I'm like a junk I was like no, well, no no this is just an, any anyone that you know of because we all know somebody who's struggling mm-hmm. with addiction but it's not just addiction it's just uh, any type of bondage or stronghold that someone's going through you know it's like the like the strongholds of life and you know, yep. the world in general. Yeah. You know, so. And
0: that's how I would turn it a lot of the times. Like, no, 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 it's not just drugs. It's be free from anything, you know? Yeah. And as like Brother Caleb Dillon say to say, like there was a lady who took the class. I think it was a lady. But she had a shopping addiction. Mm-hmm. And so she took the class. And so, and, you know, it's anything. Uh, so it's a great program. And then, uh, you know, um, we have seen a great response you know, in Rialto, there's some people, they told me that they started this class, they were addicted to whatever it was, and you would have never guessed, you know, now they're main key players in the church, you know, like they're yes. whatever it may be. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Uh, absolutely. I think it's
2: uh, the outcome of, of the Be Free program and just what God's been able to do in people's lives is just that. It's just you can't see the person that they were before, which is incredible. And it's only something that God can do, really. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's... It's a complete 180 turn, which is, which is is amazing to see, you know, just like you were saying, like, you know, there's brothers there in the church that that I look up to right now, and I didn't even know that they had a history like that or a past like that before until they, you know, until we realized we had that past in common. It's just, it's just, it's just crazy, you know, just some people are so, they feel so defined by their past that they can't move forward and get a new future, which is not, which is not the case, but with, you know, with God and living, living for God he can turn it
0: around for you. you yeah. know? God's mercy and God's blood is amazing. Does it, you know, it, uh, one of the things, um, so for me personally, I didn't, I wasn't involved in be free, mm-hmm. right? You know, let's just say like two years ago. Uh, it wasn't until recently about June, God began to place just things on my heart about right. be free. Now I've invited people, people to be free for years, just never been involved in class, but Recently, God really placed on my heart about starting a Bible study at a local drug rehab in, uh, around our church. So it's in the city of Bloomington. It's called Cedar House. You know, and I and I remember being, I was there, you know, I'm, I'm a fireman. I was running on a 911 call there. I walked in. Everything was going, like, okay. It wasn't, like, a true, like, medical emergency where I really had to work. I was kind of taking my time, talking yeah. to the guy. And then God placed on my heart, a Bible study needs to be started here. And I remember just thinking, like, God, I don't have the time. Yeah. I don't have there's all these excuses that ran through my head. Right. My my schedule is weird, like it's how can I commit to a weekly Bible study? Well, I said, Okay, God. So I just started just putting it out there. I knocked it I went and followed up. Um eventually a few months later, we're in there. We're teaching Bible studies and we're doing it. And I remember I was telling Pastor Booker, I like, You know, Pastor it was a Thanksgiving service because they had a couple people doing, giving testimonies. And they were talking about the response we're having at Cedar House and all these great things. And I told Pastor, God opened my eye uh, when they were testifying. And I was, God told me to start a Bible study. Not that I need to teach them because I've only been once. Mm-hmm. Not that I need to teach the Bible study. It just needs to be started. It's almost like I had to learn, like, hey, like, listen to the details. Right. You know? Yeah. And so, and it's been going so well. Um, we're having, we have a great team that goes in. And I go when I can. If, I mean, if I'm off on a Monday and they're there, I'm going. That's, that's, mm. but I just, unfortunately, my work schedule is weird. But it's been going really good. And that's the, that is what God was showing me. Like, just listen to me. Like, yeah. listen to the little things. And he'll, he'll help. He'll direct the path. Mm. Um, it seems so if we could tie in i guess your testimony at this part sure um you have a a strong uh connection with be free and i think it's because your personal testimony would you mind telling some of us or telling us what your testimony is yeah i mean i'll try not to do
2: too long the extended version but um no tell it tell it okay (laughs) okay okay so um I didn't really grow up. My, we grew up primarily Catholic for a while, you know, for, um, for many years. Um, I think probably around when I was like maybe nine or ten, my mom and my parents kind of like split up. Uh, there was like a, yeah, on the verge of divorce, basically. So my mom was doing some like soul searching, basically. And we were with her most of the time. And then she just started visiting churches. Like, we were just going to different type of denominational churches. Me and my brother, Roger, at the time, uh, who was just a year younger than me, we were just kind of just tagging along. And then she just bribed us with food that she'd buy us food after, you know, just kind of like just to go with her. And we're like, okay, cool. Um, I'm not really sure what church we ended up, but we ended up in this church in Norwalk at one point which is uh, Apostolic assembly uh, type of church. okay? Uh, so I know that's like the church she, she got involved in. Uh, I'm not sure if she got baptized there, but I remember she received the Holy Ghost at a Trinitarian church and then which led her to the, the church in Norwalk. Um, but our, our our household was still very divided. We weren't living like a Christian life you know we didn't have those those rules set or implemented in our house yet. Uh, I think by the time I was like 12, I think uh, my parents kind of, uh, you know, God made a move in their life, softened my dad's heart. He started going back to church, well, started going to church with my mother, you know, got baptized, uh, gave his life over to God. And then, um, then the rules changed at home, mm-hmm. you know, now we weren't listening, listening to secular music anymore. We weren't able to go to the movies. A lot, a lot of things changed. Um, I honestly... Did not have a, a desire to live for God. I just thought it was just like something else that we had to do. Like, yeah. it was just a tradition. Didn't really believe that, you know, God created the heavens and the earth type of thing. It's just like, it's just something that we're supposed to believe. Didn't, I really didn't have any tie to it. Um, so I eventually, as I got older, became a little bit rebellious. You know, I was into punk rock, skating, you know, playing the guitar so, I, at 14, I, I left the church completely, you know, and I just wanted nothing to do with that. There was a lot of issues at home, just with me, just, you know, running away, doing drugs, and and all that type of thing. So, when, by the time I was 17, uh, I think, yeah, a little bit like 17, before 18, I just moved out. Yeah. Um,
0: so, so you started, if you don't mind me just quitting, you, sure. as young as 14, you were already dealing with
2: drugs yeah yeah um it started off a little probably a little younger than that we went to i went to like a private school or charter school which were like a a lot of rich kids but there was always weed there's always cocaine there's always drugs going around and then we were drinking in school you know and that and that kind of just led into high school which um it just kind of continued that smoking weed drinking doing whatever you know and plus i was trying to go to punk rock shows and that's just like the lifestyle that, Mm -hmm. that comes with it you know uh, getting kicked out of school going to continuation school and, and that whole whole thing um, so I moved out when I was 17 and I told myself um, that I just want to be in bands that's all I want to do I just want to travel uh, be in bands just be a rock star you know like I don't want to go to school like uh, I don't want to live for God I don't want to do any of that you know um, but yeah it but the church was always in my life, but I was just never a part of it, you know. Like, yeah. Like my younger siblings, they were definitely involved in the church, so they had their church friends constantly coming over. But I always just felt a bit of an outcast, anyway, you know. Um, there was a part, there was a part of me that kind of wanted to be a part of it, but I couldn't. I just couldn't connect, you mm-hmm. know. Like there, I, I tried reaching out. I just, and maybe it was just a personal thing within me that just felt like that I couldn't connect with uh, the people from the church, even though there was a small part of me that wanted to. Yeah. You know, and... Um, so
0: you thought connect, like, you couldn't connect in a way because of what you were just into, what you were doing. Like, yeah. You know, yeah.
2: Yeah, we just didn't have the same interests, you know. Um, I couldn't talk about the music or the lifestyle that, I, like, I was living because they weren't a part of it, you right. know. And um, I also, there, it, was, it was very wholesome what they were doing, which was kind of cool because it was like how could you be into that (laughs) you know it's just like it just i my my brain couldn't compute what they were doing you know it was just so different for me and um but what ultimately led me to having my own friends and just kind of having my own life aside so um everything like i i just stayed really alienated from my my family i feel like um from 18 to like 32 yeah you know i probably would just stop by on like holidays and things like that. But there wasn't much of a connection, I felt like, at least on my part. But um, I think when when I turned 22, I think uh, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And I was already kind of living like a pretty crazy life. I was like homeless at times already, you know, just the drugs, selling drugs and just doing whatever, you know, uh, travel, I was traveling a lot, playing shows in, in different parts of the state, you know, even in Mexico recording so like i was so consumed in my life but then my dad got diagnosed with, with cancer and um my dad at that time was already like he was getting super involved in ministry you mm-hmm. know and he was starting to preach and stuff like that and i i just started holding this like this this grudge against god you know um like my dad's like a faithful servant you know he's super faithful you know ever since like i've seen him like you know turn his life over turned uh, his life over to you. It's just like, he's been faithful in even the little things, you know? And then why would you let something like this happen? You know? Mm-hmm. So I, I held a, I held a resentment towards God specifically, you know? And, um, so I was already headed down the wrong path. So him passing away, um, kind of just like had me spiral even more into yeah. like deeper addiction. It wasn't like I was doing party drugs, right? it was just whatever was around. And, on a on a weekly basis, but then when he passed away, it's just like I dove into hard drugs. I started doing like heroin. I started doing like painkillers, just meth, every just anything I could really get my hands on. And and it wasn't just one or two drugs at that point. It was like how many can I get beyond at one time? You know? Yeah, you
0: were just trying to numb, yeah, numb that thoughts, the hate, numb all that. So
2: yeah, and there was there was a sense of guilt as well because. There was a point in the in the hospital where my mom said, "Oh I, I want let's just pray maybe God could God could save him or God could heal him and and then i I couldn't get myself to to pray because I felt like he, he's not gonna do it right. You know, you know, and, and then the reason it turned into guilt is because, like, well, maybe I should at least have tried, and maybe that could have been the thing that, you know, God would have heard my prayer, and that could have been the determining factor or something right. like that. Right. So I carried that for a very long time, you know, and um, uh, as the addiction grew, the bitterness grew towards God, and, um, ultimately just let it just led me to like a, a darker place you know i wanted nothing to do with the things of god whatsoever you know
0: um so this was young at 22 now this is yeah
2: old. at 22 that's when like the hard drugs started yeah. coming in you know and um and it was just a roller coaster of life Up, it's a lot of ups and downs just like i would get my life together then i would go through another difficult point and i would just throw it all away start mm-hmm. back to the from ground zero be homeless already again, you know, and then try to build myself back up over and over again, you know. Um, So I think the last four years, um, I think from when I was... 27 28 i i got back into heroin i started doing heroin again because i had originally tried to get clean but it was only clean off that specific
0: drug right it wasn't like 100 percent sober but you it's now now, those are just gateway drugs that lead you up to you know so right we know now that you know looking back like oh man like that wasn't gonna fix it that was just a band-aid you know we know truly what you need and that that was god absolutely absolutely
2: you know um I mean, yeah, me knowing that now, I definitely know what the, what the cure for that would be, you know, but back then it's just like, you just want to figure out life on your own, you know what I mean? It's just Mm -hmm. like, you don't, you don't want someone to tell you how, how the best life to live is like you, I want to learn things the hard way and I wanted to truly understand why I'm going to live this way or why I don't want to live this way, you know, um, but yeah, it's just the, the addiction just spiraled out of control, you know, um, I was just doing heroin every single day and then they got introduced to to crystal meth where it became like a daily, daily situation, you know? And it was something that I was hiding from my real friends, the people I was around every single day. So it felt like I was kind of living a double life, you know? Like I would, I would party in front of them, like just drinking and do like the normal stuff. But behind closed doors, I was suffering with addiction, you know? in which led me to uh, the mother of my kids and my girlfriend at the time. uh, She was also an addict as well, but she kind of had the double life as well. Not everyone really knew what was going on. So we ended up getting together and it kind of came out that we both had this addiction. We both had different addictions, but when we kind of came out to each other, it's just like we both took each other's addiction and we just both spiraled out of control. Mm. You know, we we both had really good jobs at that time. She was a court reporter, a stenographer. She made really great money. I was working in marketing. I was traveling a lot, you know, uh, hosting seminars in different states. But having a dependency on heroin and you're traveling a lot can be can be difficult. You know, you, I have to do presentations in front of people, and I'm you withdrawing, sweating like crazy. So it be it became difficult to just maintain. Wow. Yeah, it, it's. That became a full-time job, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I've always kind of prided my... like I had a pr- sense of pride that, like, oh, I can just stop whenever because I've done it before. The first time I stopped, I was 24, and I just stopped cold turkey, just took a week off, just went through the withdrawals. Like, okay, that wasn't bad. You know, I can do it. I had like, that willpower. But there was something a little different about this time. Um, now it was... The amount was has had increased the tolerance had increased i've also was mixing other drugs on top of that and before i knew it um my job started noticing that there was a decline in my work performance so they let
0: me go you know it's crazy you're saying that the first time you were able to kick it but the second time was a lot harder and we just if we could just tie in the spiritual you know when you clean out the devil's come back seven times more you know so it's Absolutely. like and that's what was going on right there so when it came back it was worse and yeah so that's that's exactly what happened in
2: my right before my company had let me go they gave me up like hey we see something's wrong with you we care enough that we want to give you some time off we could see what kind of what it is we don't know exactly but if you want to let us know so I told them I was like hey I've been struggling with addiction uh, I value my job I just can't do this right now they're like okay take a couple weeks you know uh, get clean come back so I did Um just for th- I lasted just those three weeks, and then before I knew it, I just went I went straight back, and just kind of like how you were saying, it, it comes back even sen- like harder, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what, what happened. The first time was easier, the second time it was a little more difficult, and this third time was just it almost felt really Im- impossible to yeah. do. Yeah. You know? So. Um, so yeah. So basically, long story short, they 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 let me go. Yeah. Right. It's, okay. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's
0: okay. It's my my little son. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a little daddy's boy. Yeah. But let's say hello. <laughs> it's my son Sebastian. He's uh, actually he's gonna be turning eleven months already. Ooh. Okay, well. You know what? That's um, so we we're talking about. You know, you you know, you're dealing with this. You're, you're getting clean. You're coming back. You you know, trying to get clean again, and it's coming back. Yeah. And that and that, unfortunately, like we know, you know, looking back now, you know, like I know when when you're through it and you're you're trying to figure it out, like you said, you want to learn. You know, honestly, it was you were kind of putting up a wall, if I could say. For you knew what you needed, right? And it was you know, it's next door. <laughs> you know, it's at the church. You know, <laughs> yeah. but you know, you wanted to learn and figure it out. And so now you're 27 at this sort at this part in your life. Mm-hmm. Then you started coming to the church. Was it like a few years later? Still though, right? Like if you were still, or um. But by the time I started coming to the
2: church, uh, I had just got out of rehab. Okay, yeah. Uh, so
0: your rehab, where where did you go? Where? I went.
2: I went to. I went to Teen Challenge, which is like a faith based program. Uh, I went out to the Central Valley. But the way, the way, the, so I'll tell you how I got there. It's, I, it wasn't by choice how, I, how I ended up there. So, um, my girlfriend at the time and I were, I was selling drugs. We were bouncing from, from basically junkie house to junkie house. You know, we only primarily s- stayed with people who sold drugs, and so I wasn't working for already years at that time um my main source of income was either like stealing selling drugs i was just you know breaking into cars uh, you know doing burglaries like at storage units houses whatever whatever i can do fraud like if i had a chance to steal your identity i would i would steal it really wow yeah, you know um so i had gotten arrested for stealing a car COVID had just hit and at this time my girlfriend had been pregnant but we had, ne- we had never gone to the hospital, never met with the doctors. So we didn't really know how far along she was. So, And also at this time, fentanyl was already kind of a thing that was kind of coming around. So on top of heroin, on top of meth, we were both addicted to, to fentanyl hev- heavily, you know. Um, so I got released because COVID hit from jail. Three weeks later, I believe, then we were in a hotel room. And then my girlfriend started kind of going into labor. And then, uh, so our daughter's born in Corona Regional. Um, they tested her, and she tested positive for meth and heroin and, and fentanyl in her system. So we got we had her got her taken away as soon as she was born, because as soon as she was born, she was already instantly going through withdrawals. So we had a CPS case, Child Protective Services mm-hmm. case, uh, allegation against us. And then on top of that, I had my court issue because I got arrested. So I was looking to do some time, and. Um, so it was put on the table that, hey, your daughter's either going to go to foster care or she can go with my mother. So my mom stepped in and my family was like, hey, we'll, we'll take care of her, but only basically if you go to rehab. Yeah. At that point, the only, I, the only option was to go to a one-year program. I was trying to take the short route and just go two weeks. You know, like to see if I can just like okay, maybe I can just do like a one week program or uh, something like these like celebrities do, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, you fix all your problems uh, in one yeah, week, right? Yeah, I was yeah. Just like okay, I could I could do a week, but uh, my lawyer and everyone was telling me like you would at least would need to do a year, or you're gonna do at least a one year straight of time. Mhm. Um. So yeah, uh, I had to I had to come. I had to do the detox process before I was allowed to go into Teen Challenge because they don't. We're not equipped to handle that okay so you have to detox before you go whether you go to a facility or you do a cold turkey at the house so here at my my brother is uh now a wife is a nurse and my brother's a uh, respiratory therapist so they were basically watching me around the clock for two two weeks two and a half
0: weeks as, yeah. I, as I was going through withdrawals because um, we're dealing with possible seizures we're dealing with all kinds of yeah that can yeah
2: yeah, seizures. You get tons of panic attacks. Um, you start talking to yourself. I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of things. I didn't realize how bad the addiction was until I was actually coming off of it. And I was just like, wow, that was a lot mm-hmm. deeper than I expected. It was nothing compared to the the two times I I had tried to get clean before, and also with fentanyl being a huge, crazy epidemic
0: right yeah. now, where everyone's overdosing left and right. And yeah, I'm a I'm a paramedic, so it was actually yeah, you're talking about fentanyl coming around in 2020. You know, I, I, I became a paramedic in 2012, that's when I first started. And I remember there was certain drugs that people were overdosing on. Fentanyl wasn't one of them. It mm-hmm. was, you know, it's other stuff. And I've, I've dealt with overdoses my entire career, but now it's fentanyl. Fentanyl, yeah. it's, it's a it's a very strong drug. A lot of, you know, uh, not trying to get into all the too much details, but sometimes it's just things are done wrong on the dealer side and then people overdose and they die or you know they catch us in the nick of time and i bring them back fentanyl it you know the the (laughs) epidemic of fentanyl it's it's high right now it's crazy you know and just and thank god for his mercy yeah keeping you safe you know through that time you know yeah i had overdosed probably at least three or four times off of it
2: Um, just for kind of just exactly what you said, it's just that the people who were selling it don't really know exactly what they're doing because they're one, they're not even users themselves, you know? And at the time where it came to our city of Corona, um, it was completely new. No one really knew about it. I just happened to come across this guy who had tons of it and just didn't know who to give it to or how to get rid of it. I was just like, well, I saw that the, that was the next thing that was like the wave was going to, everyone that was doing heroin at the time was going to eventually switch over. So I set them up with the right people. And then not, not to think that I was the one who did that. Right, right, right. It was either me or somebody else. Like yeah. that, that situation was going to happen no matter what. Yeah, You know, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, knowing the right people. So yeah, that's kind of how it started uh,
0: flooding, at least in the in the group of people I was around yeah. with, you know. So so you're detoxing, you, you go through that. And then you go, to, do you go straight to Teen Challenge at that point after your week? or?
2: Yeah, so I detoxed for about two or three weeks because this okay. one was, yeah, it was pretty intense. I was trying to go on medication to, to ease the withdrawals, but I did have done it before. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. There's something about suffering that makes you not want to go back. Right, you know? yeah. And medication just kind of makes it too easy. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I was I was losing my mind to be honest. Yeah. Um, I tried kicking out the windows in the car and trying to hop out on the middle of the freeway because You're I just just I couldn't take crazy. it. Yeah. I couldn't take it anymore. And I tried escaping and my younger brother, Josh, who's who's a lot bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> <He> <laughs> you, just, you, you know, he just manhandled me. But I was very weak at the time. Also, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta clear but, that out. Yeah, just clear that out. I
0: was very weak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know? Hey, Josh, he's he's a strong boy though. Yeah. Right? So um no for those who don't know teen challenge it's a they have a couple of them throughout the united uh, i think throughout the united states i know this area it's a non-denominational faith-based there's no like it's kind of like because i remember we had a bunch of teen challenge that would come to the church right we would run a bus go pick up a group of them come to the church and um you know and we had a lot of them get the holy ghost and a lot of them get baptized and yeah. it was really cool we actually had a couple of them come they were like members for a while they just moved away or or you know just life whatever so but it was it's kind of like that was like my, my impression it was like a charismatic kind of non-denominational no real you know and, and but it was it's good you know and it's right. you know faith-based recovery still but um, we, we just have, we just teach the full gospel message and be right. free. So absolutely. Yeah. So I ended up going to teen, teen
2: challenge, the one in, uh, central Valley, which is Reedley. Um, I entered that program in June, 20, 2020. Okay. okay. And, uh, I got out in May early May of 2021. Okay. Yeah. So I was there, uh, yeah, a little shy under a year. Um, it was it was a pretty difficult time for me and you know what I mean. It's just like I had a lot of situations to kind of go on and like now the real like the emotions of the things I've been suppressing for a long time were kind of hitting me, you know. Yeah. I mean I was hiding and just avoiding avoiding stuff for so long and just seeing the severity of my my legal situation and what was happening with my daughter, you know. It was all kind of kind of hitting me at once and um, so at that place is kind of when I when I got when I got the. I was open or receptive to the idea of God at the time, yeah. you know,
0: I was just like, I was just in a really broken place. and So you were more going through it at this point, is it safe to say, just because of the legal side? So yeah, can, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I was starting to, everything that like I, I was doing, just like the legal situation was kind of, kind of starting to be a lot, and then I was just kind of just reflecting back on the type of person I ended up becoming, you know, mm. I mean, I was doing a lot of things that like I never thought I would do, you know. Just, um, I mean, when you're young, you never you never think you're gonna be breaking into someone's house right. or selling drugs or or trying to rob people or anything like that or that someone's gonna put a gun in your face type of thing. You know? It's yeah. just like you never think that's gonna be your life, you know. And, and I think that I had no choice but to face all these these mistakes that I was doing, you know, for such a long time. And just the way I mean, I. I'm not proud of the way I was treating women at the time as well, you know, so I think all that was kind of just a bit overwhelming. So I was looking for an answer, you know. And at this time, I didn't know that my parents believed in oneness or or the Trinity. I had no idea. Oh, really? Yeah, I had really no idea. I just know that they were serious. Like, whatever they were into was serious, you know, Mm -hmm. and they took very serious. So um, when I got to that program... After, like, the two-week blackout period, I met the worship director there. And he's just like, hey, do you do you play music? I was just like, yeah, you know. I know I play guitar, drum, well, a little bit of everything. And so he's just like, hey, you should try out for the worship team. I was like, "It oh, sounds kind of corny, you know. Yeah. I'm no, I'm not sure if I really want to, like, I mean, I was in metal bands, punk rock bands. Like, I mean, that's where I came from. I was like, I literally sang songs. Like, you know, hating God, cursing God, you know, like, and now I'm going to, you want me to sing Christian songs? Like, it felt so weird, you know, but I felt God started to do work in my, in my life there. And and I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to be here for a year. Let me do it. You know? And I, I started like, I feel like my heart started getting softened there, you know, uh, in the program. And I really started to find deep joy in, in those songs. And it wasn't just songs. It was like. I meant those words. I meant the lyrics, you know, that I feel that Jesus did pay, pay it all, even though I didn't really know, you know, but why were these words impacting me, you know? And I, and I think that's kind of where I did, um, I'd say, a par- partial surrender to him. Okay. You know, I was just like, okay, I'm open. I'm open to you now. You know what right, I mean? It's yeah. not. I wasn't completely closed off anymore, you know. Uh, so I feel like God started working in my life. Uh, things started changing. Uh, just the way I started thinking, started changing, I, you know, just the way I felt, I felt forgiveness was actually sinking in, you know? Uh, so I was, I was there. I met, I met some great people, some people who I still stay connected with, you know, but they, just like you were saying, they're, they're non-denominational, but I think they took a turn a little bit. They're primarily pushed by assemblies of God. Okay. So there I was learning about doc- doctrine and stuff and they were talking to me about salvation and baptism and and things like that, and I was just like, you know what? I can kind of, I can kind of live this lifestyle. But th- it was more of a kind of progressive type of Christian, where it's like, yeah, you're a Christian, but you're still kind of part of this world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're still very secular. It's like, oh, okay, I could do this. You know? Yeah, that's not much of a change. Maybe I pray a little bit. You know, maybe I read the Word sometimes, attend my church, but I'm still me. You know. And uh, spiritually, I felt like I was growing, but I did hit. A bit of a a ceiling I felt like I couldn't get closer to God anymore and at that point I had uh, it was my time was done at the program and so I had got out and I I came back to to the real world and I started struggling all over again you know uh, and started smoking cigarettes a drink you know and I was just like kind of going back to the world you know and I felt like I felt there was a part of me that was saying you can't, like, I brought you this far and now you're just going to turn back. You know, I felt like that was the impression God was giving me. You know, and luckily, some brothers from Rialto, in the Lighthouse Rialto, were starting to reach out to me. People from the Be Free program, you know, Brother Ronnie Sanchez, Brother uh, Dwayne Davis, you know, Brother Beater, who were heavily involved in, in Be Free, and Brother Trailer as well, were some of the main people who started reaching out to me and inviting me to Bible studies, which I think is now which is now the San Bernardino daughter work. Uh, that's what it converted to. So it started off as a Bible study and then eventually uh, being, turning into a, a daughter work. So I was, I was getting invited to that, um, but I still just wasn't sure. I was still feeling kind of like disconnected, you know? So I was like, I went on this kind of little spiritual journey on myself, you know, by myself. I was just like, okay, what is this? Am I believing in the oneness? Am I believing in the Trinity? I'm not sure. Is this is this one saved, always saved situation? what What's true, what's not? So I started just like kind of diving into whatever YouTube had, you know, and I also asked my brother at the time, I was like, hey, can we do a, do a Bible study? And he's a pretty busy guy. And so we only got to manage to do one or two. But I remember meeting Preston, Preston Brown, who's my pastor now, years ago, uh, just really quick. And then Josh brought up the idea. I was like, hey, you know who's really good? Preston is. Uh, he, I'm sure he would love to give you a Bible study. And I believe it was the Harvest yeah, the harvest uh, thing that happened in Rialto, well, I think it was 2022, maybe yeah. 20, yeah. So I, I went I went over there, I was like, you know what, I'm going to look for him. Uh, I want someone to kind of guide me, I want to get to the bottom of this. So I showed up to the harvest in uh, Rialto, and I, I saw him approaching me already, you know, and I was just like, okay. And then as soon as we, we interacted, he asked me if I wanted a Bible study. I was like, well, actually, man, I... I came here looking to get a Bible study from you, so it, it worked out. Wow! Yeah, it was it, it was pretty crazy, honestly. And um, so we started doing Bible studies together. And uh, I wasn't really attending church too much. Maybe I'd, I'd come visit Rialto here and there, and maybe I'd do the Be Free program here and there. But I was just kind of really burnt out on the on programs in general, right? At the time. So then I found out there was a there was a daughter work started in Riverside. I heard it was really small, and I was like, "Hey, maybe I'm gonna go check that out." There was just some, there was just some sort of a pull to go there, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but before, right before that, I had gone to Riverside. I was like, I, mean, I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna seek after the Holy Ghost that everyone's talking about." And a Brother uh, Andrew Howard, well, now a pastor, Andrew Howard, uh, was preaching at the time, and he was preaching about desperation, wanting to be desperate for God, and you know, receive the Holy Ghost. And I was like, "Oh man, this is whatever whatever this guy's preaching, it's it's really hitting right now." So I went to the altar, started preaching. he started preaching, and it didn't happen. And I was so discouraged. I was like, "Ah, oh, well, okay, whatever. I'll try it again later." You know. But so I was feeling this pull to go to Riverside. I ended up going to Riverside, and the guy who was preaching was Brother Andrew Howard. That that service, and I was just like, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's going, it's going, it's going, it's going, yeah. it's, going, <laughs> it's going down today." Yeah. <laughs> You know, and uh, I just felt God really moving in my life, and uh, I received the Holy Ghost December December fourth, twenty twenty one, 22 probably. So it's, that hasn't even been a year. Uh, yeah, twenty two, right? Well, no, that'd be twenty one. Twenty 22 yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's just it was just a year. Um, so that kind of just snowballed after after I got the Holy Ghost. I got baptized uh, a month later, and I and I talked to Pastor Brown. I was just like, hey, man. Uh, I need to get involved like as soon as possible, you know, because I will I will drift away if, if I'm not involved. Like I've always been just one, a person that's going to do something 100%, you know. And at that point, I I had no plan B of going back to the world, you know. So I'm going to give it 100%, you know. So mm-hmm. whatever that looks like, you just tell me where where to go, and that kind of just turned into um, it's like okay, well, what 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 can you do? I was just like, well, I can play music, <laughs> you yeah. know. And he's just like, okay, and that, and then I said yes to that. And then it turned into like, hey, what do you think about doing uh, Be Free? I was like, sure, let's do it, you know. I, didn't, I wasn't sure if I really wanted to at the time, but I was just going to say yes to whatever was coming my way. You mm-hmm. know? The Bible started, Bible studies were getting better. You know, uh, there was a hunger for me to, to do Bible studies, but I had nobody to do a Bible study with. So it switched over. I told Pastor Brown, I was like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna start giving you giving you a Bible study." Oh, wow! Yeah, you know, because yeah. <laughs> you know? like I wanted, I wanted it bad, you know. Uh-huh. So he's like, "Yeah." So now when we do Bible studies, you're you're you're, you're teaching me, you know. So uh, there's not much I could teach that guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're just saying that nicely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I appreciate it, but I, I'm sure I'm not showing him anything new, <laughs> uh, which. Um, which eventually turned into the idea that I feel like God placed on my heart and his heart. He's just like, hey, do you? he brought it up one time in Bible studies. Do you feel like there's a calling for you to preach? I feel like you have something there. And I started reflecting back in my life to to the words that people in my family and my parents would say, like, hey, you're going to be... Preach, i could see that there's a calling on your life i'm just like yeah sure whatever you know just like to me it thinks it's like oh like your parents just say i want you to go to be a doctor or whatever oh, right. you know i just feel like they're pushing that on me or whatever but after he said that it kind of confirmed something that i was already feeling so it eventually led to me doing a, a word shot this uh past youth service mm-hmm. i think in an october of yeah. this year and i think that that's where after that, I prepared for that word shot. I felt like God put something in my heart, like, "Hey, this is where I think you need to go." Yeah, and it—it no, no, uh, was—and it was a very, very uh, overwhelming experience. You know, I, I felt I was really led by the Spirit, and I felt God really coming through for me. And then, uh, after that word shot was done, at that youth service, I just felt like, "Yeah, this is this is exactly the direction I, I need to go
0: to." You know, I—you I, know—that's your your complete surrender yeah. I think is what really you know when you when you got the Holy Ghost and you told Pastor Preston Brown I need to be a hundred percent in yeah I, I you know if you're not you're that draw to just call up a friend get an old connection you know whatever is there right. and, and that's why I tell a lot of new converts like hey you need to delete these numbers you need to get a new number whatever you need to yeah. do and tie yourself away and and become more involved the church the church body the church it's the actual building should be a place that you're very familiar with like this is my home this mm-hmm. is my you know um I, I that's what i try to tell everyone who comes new because that 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 draw to go back into those old habits are there and they are and the, and it's not just i don't care if you're like been born in church and yeah. raised or like once you make that true and you know, that hundred percent surrender yeah. you have to have that choice in that decision to do it that way
2: yeah yeah my my idea of christianity as from what was instilled from my my father i guess subconsciously was just like you need to be all in or, or don't do it
0: type mm-hmm. of thing well the bible talks about that he doesn't want you lukewarm right right no, the luke actually god's god would prefer you hot or cold he doesn't want you lukewarm one foot in one foot out that's scary that it, you know? it
2: is it is a, it's a it's a scary thing and um yeah, I, I didn't even know that. That's what was subconsciously in my mind. You know, I didn't know that. That's kind of what my parents had put. You know, just based off you know the way they carry themselves and live for God. Like I didn't know. But all I knew is that it was serious, and you have to be 100% about
0: it. Um, your mom, um, I see her quite often at the church. You know, I, I they're praying. You know, doing things, and but I gotta say, her the praying, her prayers were not ever forgotten even with your dad you know yeah. what he had for you and what he instilled in you it's stuck you know that's why it's so important for us as parents you know even when kids aren't living exactly 100 we want them to be yeah. just encourage them do the best you know you can for them um so i want to you know that i think your testimony of you know what you went through the drugs the addictions and then God saving you and now the way he's using you now um, I, I I think of Bishop Booker when I hear your testimony, um Bishop. You know we you could read his book, The Journey of a Lifetime. Yeah. It was it was crazy crazy life, and coming to God. He came to God at nineteen, yeah. I believe it was. But he he was all in, all in. And then he started preaching even as a young new convert, as a young man. And it's the same thing for you now. Now you're you're. Really, you know, since 100% being in, it's pretty recent. You know, some some people may think like, oh, you need time, you need this and that. And when you're sold out and you're doing it right and you're yeah. and you're under, you're under, you're you're working under Pastor Preston Brown. He right. is he is directing you, leading you as far. And then God's directing him, you know, right. to help you. And man, like seeing how God has His hand on you, like all all that we need to keep doing is we just need to jump in, uh, right. complete surrender every single day. Daily. Like, so yeah, uh, I'm glad you mentioned
2: Bishop Booker. I read I read his book when I was in in rehab, Journey of a Lifetime, and um, just kind of hearing his testimony, it it let me know that like it is it, there is no real timeline that you have. To, you know, if you yeah. if you're all in, you can do it. Yeah, you think of you? the
0: Apostle Paul. Yeah, he was literally killing Christians. He was on his way to kill Christians. Right, right. And God called him. So when God called him, he was just, he went he God you know obviously called him on his way to damascus he went he was blind god opened his eyes you know through healing he received the holy ghost and he was all in you know and then like the apostle paul later in his preaching he says i speak in tongues daily he he also says he's the chief sinner like but the main thing is that we gotta know that our righteousness are as filthy rags it don't yeah. matter how good we are it doesn't make us any better but we need to strive to be the best yeah we need to strive to be refilled in the holy ghost every single day and we got to strive to to all at the same time be humble be like you know what God's just using me and i'm just a willing vessel yeah we're just that's all we are willing vessels
2: yeah absolutely i was i was willing i mean i'm glad the the the, the path that's getting uh carved out right now is is one that like i'm willing to do but i was willing to do whatever right you know like i like i talked to preston brown at the time like wherever you want me man i just i just need to get involved like i would be happy just cleaning the the church or holding the door yeah anything anything, i just just need to stay connected and stay plugged in you know but um just hearing bishop booker's kind of testimony it let let me know that like it's really, I could take this as far as I want to take it, you know. And if, if you're all in, God's going to use you. He wants a willing heart, you know, willing vessel. And I, I don't want to get in God's way from, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like he put a call on my life and, you
0: know, and I just want to respond to it. You know? What would be a word of advice, let's just say, for someone that may be dealing with addiction?
2: Well, the, the the common the common thought of addiction is just that you're never going to get out of it. You know, it, honestly, I had accepted that I was going to die doing that. You know, and everyone around me knew that that was it. You know, there is no way out, but there is a way out. You know, and the only the only true way to break that uh, that stronghold is through Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. that's the that was the only thing that worked for me. You know, and that's what also makes me never want to go back to the world and never let go of God because I know what awaits for me if I let go. Yeah. You know, and I know God's grace and mercy saved me all those multiple times.
0: I I don't know if I have another opportunity like that. I don't know if I have another chance. What about, what about a word of advice for those? Let's say they have a a family member dealing with addiction. Like what would be a word of encouragement for someone who knows someone going through it and maybe, you know, as their brother, their sister, their mom their dad or whatever
2: yeah prayer is number one obviously you know you want to you want to pray for them uh, but there is like these like little indicators that when they reach out and they're asking for help i think it's a time to move move right away don't like because there's always a time where people who are going through addiction are going to reach out at one point or another may might be for a little bit might you, you know um but it's gonna be spread out for the next time so when they do reach out is move quickly yeah. and try to get them into a, a program you know teen challenges like as far as rehab, recovery programs, it's one of the best ones that's out there, you know. But um,
0: I would say try to get them into a church. Yeah. You know what? I, I think or I know that this is going to be really good. Uh, if if you know someone going through something, you know, whether it's a, some type of addiction or it may seem like this person never going to come to God because they just they live a lifestyle. Maybe they're not crazily addicted to drugs, but they just show like a... A, a bitterness towards the church. Mm-hmm. You know that there is hope, and not only just hope for them to come, but hope for them to also come and be active members. You, you, we don't know what what is from here on for you. We yeah. don't know what's here on for, for that person. We just know that they could come, in God's mercy could save them. Yeah, absolutely. you know. And I, and I, I know that this is going to get out, and it's going to be a blessing to someone. And maybe if i can just talk to the listeners real quick if you know someone who's dealing with an addiction or you know send them this podcast mm-hmm. send them joel's testimony this is like this shows how god reaches and he doesn't quit right he doesn't give up you know he hears the prayers of of your dad even though your dad passed away in mm-hmm. two, what year was it 2 Probably 2011, 2011 2011 2012, 2012 yeah, something yeah, around there you know like God still he remembers those prayers yeah. you know and you know just to encourage those I want to say thank you so much for spending time with me today talking about this yeah. um, pleasure. Yeah. and it, it really is gonna be a blessing and I'm if again anyone if you have any further questions or anything you can write me on Instagram at the overflow podcast um, I will get back to you guys as soon as I can and I want to say God bless and have a great day.